This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Citizen Radio, The Young Turks, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, The Majority Report, Common Sense with Dan Carlin, The Bugle, The Progressive, and The Rachel Maddow Show with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from The Colbert Report. know about SOPA, you should definitely educate yourself. The Stop Online Piracy Act could end the internet and citizen radio as we know it. Now, my friend DC Pearson is so funny. Uh, so if you don't know DC, he was in Mystery Team. Uh, he's in a comedy troupe with our good friends uh, Dominic Durkis and Donald Glover from Community. And... Um, he, we were tweeting yesterday, he's a bit of an old man when it comes to pirating. Right. Because they've had to promote, even Mystery Team, which was in the theaters and had people from Saturday Night Live in it, uh, they had to essentially promote that themselves. So, you know, when people would write on his Facebook wall, like, hey, just torrented your uh, your movie. Awesome work, bro. He's like, thanks for stealing from me. Yeah, they might as well have just posted, sorry you can't eat dinner tonight. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm in your house. I just took your wallet. Right. <laughs> um, so, obviously, us... And people on our show have different views of uh, pirating. And DC, the reason he wrote that, he goes, usually we bond on long hair issues like Occupy and stuff. Uh But he's like, if you want to see me turn into a grandpa, bring up BitTorrent. (laughs) And he just becomes grandpa anti-Napster. Right. And so – but he posted about how fucked up this bill is. So why did I bring up DC? Because the bill does – on it on the surface seem like it's just no we just don't want people to illegally download movies we want the guy who holds the boom mic in uh films to get paid and not have his kids starved to death and that's the disguise it's wearing yes but what it actually is is a way to blanket censor the internet and put giant corporations in charge of that censorship yeah so for example uh say you have a site like tumblr that uh, allows people to post whatever kind of content they want on it. Somebody posts a video or something that they don't have the copyright for or something like that. A clip from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right, a clip or something like that. Um, Not only is that a violation of this new law, but Tumblr could... Basically, everybody could go to jail. Citizens could go to jail for yes. five years. Yeah, and very, very heavily fined. And it's not just Tumblr. It would be uh, the internet. It would yeah. be any site like Facebook, I mean, YouTube. But not just that. I mean, every blog we read has at one point or another posted like a funny movie clip or TV clip yeah. to illustrate a political point. Yeah, any website. And they could be shut down. Yeah, so um, who is this going to affect? Well... Everybody, but first and foremost, it's going to affect the little guys because the only people who can afford to purchase the right for all of these things are rich corporations. The ones suing you. Yeah, exactly. So any kind of startup operation or anything like that would be immediately buried. So it's very serious. You should contact your representatives and find out if they're supporting the Stop Online Piracy Act. Tumblr uh, had this, the, the, the thing on Tumblr when you called yesterday, did they have it like on yeah, their homepage? T- Tumblr and other websites did this really smart thing where if you visit Tumblr, I don't know if it's still happening, but they blacked out all of the content. And at the top, it says Stop Internet Censorship. And you click it and it asks, uh, do you want to call your representative? And then Tumblr calls your phone number when you put it in. And puts you through. And puts you through to your representative so you can say, please oppose the SOPA Act. Yeah. 
It's awesome. It's really cool. So you should all do that because this is super, super serious. I mean, guys, it's, you know, it, it starts with that, but then they can start picking and choosing. Exactly. Will Fox News go down for copyright infringement or will Citizen Radio? Who do you think? Right. And let's remember that the reason these popular revolutions are happening in places like Egypt is because uh, in large part they ha- they were able to communicate on the Internet. And the Internet is really powerful in America because it's open and it's a place where anybody can say anything and we can meet and like discuss stuff not just in egypt dude i mean we spent the first half of this show talking about all the information we gathered and we're putting out on twitter i mean it's us too so it's essential the internet's content remains uncensored remains open accessible i mean guys the internet is all we have uh, as people on the left we don't have cable news we don't have msnbc as much as people want to say we don't have churches anymore Unions are being shut down. Uh, all we have are fucking podcasts and blogs and Twitter and Facebook and, and, and things yeah. like this. Um, so and you have to work to save it. You have to call Congress. Totally. And is it enough just to protest online? No. You have to actually do what Occupy Wall Street is doing and physically occupy spaces. But they organized on the Internet. So that's why it's so important. We need that tool. That tool is vital. Without the Internet, Occupy Wall Street would have never happened. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to stop us, we say, come and bring it on. The more that you repress us, the more that we grow strong. For we are union warriors and you gotta understand... If you want to play the butcher, well, we won't play the lamb. So if you want to stop us, we say, come and bring it on. The more that you repress us, the more that we grow strong. For we are union warriors and you gotta understand. If you want to play the butcher, well, we won't play the lamb. Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales has decided to uh, basically unregister his domain names uh, from Wikipedia on GoDaddy.com because GoDaddy.com originally supported the SOPA bill. Now, as of late, they came out and said, no, 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 uh, we actually disagree with the SOPA bill. We think that this type of legislation should be rewritten. It could be written in a better way. Um, But the only reason why they did that is because about 30,000 people uh, unregistered their domain names with GoDaddy. Yeah, so... GoDaddy loves to be tough, guys. You remember the video that their boss had of when he was hunting in Africa? And he's like, yeah, I slaughtered this animal. Yeah, I'm awesome, GoDaddy. Right? And he likes to get attention in these ways. But here, they really stepped in it. That guy stepped down, by the way, is the head of GoDaddy at this present time. But uh, they came out and said, yeah, stop online piracy act. Sounds lovely. Uh, you know, maybe you could... You know, if we work with the government, we can get certain advantages, et cetera. But I'll as tell you what the advantage is, and right. it's a huge advantage. If you have a website that's registered with GoDaddy, right, and under SOPA, your website gets shut down, what are you going to do? You're going to re-register your website, or you're going to get a brand new domain name. Who are you going to get your domain from? GoDaddy.com. And GoDaddy gets to keep charging you for the old domain name because the government shut it down and they're like, well, no, you still have to pay, right? Right. So they're looking to make an extra buck out of this, right? But it's a terrible idea. It's, as experts have explained, SOPA, the Stop Online Piracy Act, uh, is not about piracy. It, it's you basically would be used by 
the big movie companies to bully and shut down sites that are basically competitors of theirs. It, it doesn't have to be uh, a site that mainly does pirating. It could be a site that has a link to another site that has one pirated movie or song on it, and they could shut down your whole website. Mm -hmm. It's a disaster. And Jimmy Wales and Wikipedia understand what a disaster it is, and they said they even thought about shutting down all of Wikipedia, uh, the English version, to protest this, mm -hmm. which uh, Italian Wikipedia did for a different bill and actually was very successful at doing. But so far, right now, what they're saying is we've got all these domain names that we do through GoDaddy. We're going to pull those unless you, you know, come back to your senses. GoDaddy has come back to their senses because of all the money involved. Now right. they realize we're going to lose more than we're going to gain. But it's interesting how little principles they had to begin with. Yeah, and with SOPA, I think Wikipedia has the most to lose, which mm -hmm. is understandable. Think about every single different Wikipedia page and all of the different links on each page, right? right. All, as you mentioned, all it takes is one link to a website that has even one piece of pirated material, and you're done with right. no due process. And, and let's say that... Uh, one company doesn't like Wikipedia. They're a competitor of Wikipedia. Let's say it's, who knows, make it up, it's an encyclopedia company, right? They're like, oh, God, they, they nearly took us out of business, which, by the way, they already did. But anyway, let's say they're still around. They're like, oh, look, I found a link that goes to a pirate website. Shut it down. Okay? I mean, th that's why people are apocalyptic about SOPA, because it literally could destroy the Internet. And the congressmen, of course, are like, yeah, great, where do we get the money? They're like, oh, Hollywood's giving us money, trial lawyers are giving us money, uh, these big businesses are giving us money, Republicans are in, Democrats are in. And they're like, plus, if we make this a real possibility and we drag it out a little bit, then Google and Facebook and Twitter and all those companies have to give, also have to give us a ton of money to combat it. We get more campaign donations, yeah. And that's why you've got SOPA. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Here is your last quote. Student warning. Do your homework early. That was the founder of what site, often used for research papers, which went to dark in protest this week? Wikipedia. Yes! And not just them. A lot of websites, including Google, Boing Boing, and the invaluable I Can Has Cheeseburger site, <laughs> either went black completely or put up banners protesting two bills called SOPA and uh, PIPA, <laughs> which purport to stop intellectual piracy, but opponents say would censor the internet. Where could Americans turn in this dark day Wednesday for poorly sourced information? <laughs> or cheeseburgers they can has. <laughs> People were so desperate they were 
breaking into their own basements to find their dust-covered encyclopedias and <laughs> their bug. shelves, <laughs> pulling them down and, and, and maniacally mm. stabbing words with their fingers, hoping to get information. <laughs> oh no, this book is broken! Well, you'd think it could put Mary Ellen back to work at the library. I know. At least today. <laughs> yeah. but no, here's I the was... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the thing, though. It worked. Immediately, senators and congressmen backed down. It's the first real successful civil rights protest of this century. Historians are unable, though, to identify the Rosa Parks of this movement because without Wikipedia, nobody knows who Rosa Parks is. <laughs> that was a dark day. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. It was a great day, though, for know-it-alls. You could say well, anything. Nobody could pull out their smartphones and... <laughs> But I will check you. You can be like, well, Mickey Mouse in the original films was anatomically correct. Prove me wrong. <laughs> So the MPAA came out with a statement. This is the Motion Picture Association of America. This is, uh, I believe, the, um, the body that Chris Dodd now lobbies for. Chris Dodd, who I believe also said he wasn't going to become a lobbyist. But you're in Hollywood, you get to go to parties. This is a hilarious, a hilarious statement. Now, like I've said, on this program, we've been talking about SOPA since as, le as early as uh, early November. On every major network, cable and broadcast news, CNN had mentioned SOPA once. This past weekend, to his credit, Chris Hayes uh, also did a segment on it. And so, I mean, I think, you know, one of the interesting things is that we have all of these media companies that are part of these lobbyist groups coming out of Hollywood who have provided zero, zero information on this. You now have a functionally disabled internet today on purpose over legislation that was so unimportant according to the mainstream media they never ever mentioned it they were clearly engaged in a if not a directed blackout a de facto blackout you're a producer of one of these shows you know that NBC Comcast doesn't want you to deal with it your profile is such at that station that you're not, a, uh, you're, you're not sure you can get away with it. You just don't go there. And Chris Hayes, to his credit, is just simply not that type of guy. I think if they came to him and said, you can't do this, uh, he'd say, I'm doing it anyways. He's also incredibly intelligent, which is why he brings on a lawyer from NBC to discuss it. 
because it's ostensibly giving them a, a platform. So with that backdrop and that knowledge of this near blackout of the corporate media on this uh, legislation, they put out this statement in response to Wiki, Wikipedia blacking out uh, planned for today. It is an irresponsible response and a disservice to people who rely on them for information, uh, for information use their services. It is also an abuse of power, given the freedoms these companies enjoy in the marketplace today. It's an abuse of their power to inform their readers and their users and their clients that their service is in jeopardy because of what the corporate and mainstream media is doing. This is funny. It's, it's a dangerous and troubling development when the platforms that serve as gateways to information intentionally skew the facts to incite their users in order to further their corporate interests. Let me translate what he's saying there. When he says it's a dangerous and troubling development, what he's saying is, oh crap, we're not the gatekeepers to information anymore this is a problem for us because one of the ways in which we've been able to operate is to make sure that we control all information and therefore can keep the vast majority of the public in the dark. He goes on to say, when the platforms that serve as gateways to information intentionally skew the facts. Again, this sucks. We're supposed to be the gateways to information. And we're the ones who either intentionally skew the facts or simply just don't present them. I mean, that's the way. If you're classy, what you do is you just don't talk about it. To incite their users in order to further their corporate interests. What he's saying is to inform their users of the implications of this to further <clears throat> their business model, which empowers their users to find out about these things when we don't want them to. He goes on to say, a so-called blackout is yet another gimmick, albeit a dangerous one. So what he's saying is here, forget about what I talked about in terms of the gravity of this situation, that they're blacking this out, because it's just a gimmick. Although, don't forget that I say it's dangerous because I want to scare you. Designed to punish elected and administration officials. Punish? Punish? What, is that? I, what does that even mean? I think what he's saying is that this whole accountability thing, that's not appropriate. That could spread. Who are working diligently to protect American jobs from foreign criminals. Or in other words, who are working diligently to pr protect uh, shareholder profits and to uh, cover the ass of executives who don't really know how to deal with the internet and are working on uh, old business models and would rather blame someone else like foreigners and criminals for their incapacity to drive sales. 
maybe I should try and get a job with these guys to translate all of their uh, press releases. And then, of course, uh, what I would do is I would never talk about this stuff, so uh, that may not work out. Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. For those of you who've been living in a cave, there was a whole big issue involving the government wanting to have the right and policies being enacted to shut down websites based on complaints with no due process and all this stuff in order to stop online piracy, right? Now, let me just say at the outset, it was interesting here, Bill Maher say the other day, uh, and he's been taking immense amount of flack for it, by the way, um, that he feels like he's been getting ripped off personally. His movie, I can't pronounce it. It's religious. It's ridiculous and religious combined. Religious loss. I can't say it, Ben. Um, Neither can you. So don't try to say it either. Um, He says he's personally being ripped off. And so he he, kind of favored this and caught a lot of people off guard because it's so draconian that even if you feel like you need protection for copyright infringement, that's not the way to do it. And then when the whole thing was you know, pulled back and basically, you know, they didn't vote on it because even the sponsors started retreating from it because many websites and whatnot. I mean, Wikipedia went down for the day to protest it and all this. Um, the next day, the government shuts down a um, a file sharing site. And the guy who runs it is a German guy living in New Zealand. You've probably heard of all this. So, again, I'm not going to give you all the background because it's going to be a long show. It looks like already. Um the point was, and Glenn Greenwald pointed this out in, in a column, the point was is that it was almost like the government saying, we don't need your stinking SOPA law. We can do this now. And it's the same thing that they said when it came to, you know, whether or not they had the powers to illegally detain people or whatnot. The government's basically telling you, we don't need these laws. We have the power already. Now, I'd like to say that we're getting ripped off. Um, by people who are illegally, um, I mean, I go to sites all the time. There was one in Serbia or something that was putting our shows out, some pirate site. And, you know, like an idiot, I write them and say, hey, listen, could you take those shows down? We're just independent people, you know, trying to make a living. You know, and they basically gave me the finger back and said, what are you going to do about it? Okay, listen, we understand. Um, It's a new world. I don't think you're going to be able to fix that world, though, the way that these people are trying to fix it, it looks to me more like a power grab on the Internet so that the government can shut down anything that they don't like. More on this in a second, because Chris Dodd's comments, um, he's a former 
you know, senator who's now lobbying for Hollywood and everything over this deal. And Hollywood is really, really pushing for something that will allow them to essentially give the death penalty to websites anywhere in the world if there are allegations that they are, you know, facilitating copyright infringement. And it would affect everyone, including yours truly. I have a message board. We talk to you about the discussion board all the time, right? If somebody posts something on there and we have 13,000 registered members... I can't watch all that, but basically the way that the law was written, the government could shut down my message board and my website um, on an allegation alone for something I couldn't possibly police, right? And, you know, we got 13,000 people. Look at YouTube. Look at all those things. I mean, it's, it's insane, right? We're part of this new media thing bloggers podcasters independent music artists i mean remember what radiohead did not that long ago where they put out a song for free and then basically said you know give them what you think it's worth well that's what we do too that's what these bloggers who put the uh the donate button on their page do that's our business plan now will this work that has yet to be seen I would just suggest that, can you imagine us trying to go to all these pirate? Can you imagine us going to the government saying this, the Serbian pirate websites ripping us off? Would you shut them down, please? Something else will spring up later. Some direct file. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think you can stop it. And I think you end up looking like, you know, bad guys for trying to and to be so heavy handed. It's an old business model. The business model that says, I've got this thing in my hand. And if you give me money in my left hand... I will then hand over in my right hand what I won't give you otherwise. Um, that's the ancient, you know, age-old business model, right? What we're trying to do is see if basically giving you away free stuff and then saying pay us what you think it's worth will work. We sell the old shows, but, you know, again, that's an honor system, whether you pay for them or not. I mean, people can go rip us off if they want to. We basically try to say, look, I work in a paint infested studio in my house it's just me and the invisible white rabbit doing these programs if you like them and you want us to keep doing them give us something and you do i think we're seeing a transitional form of commerce here can it work that has yet to be seen but even though we're getting ripped off too, certainly nowhere near to the degree that a Bill Maher and certainly nothing like what Hollywood's dealing with or the music industry, I feel like we are a laboratory. All these bloggers out there are laboratories. All the other podcasters are laboratories. These independent music artists and the radio head and all these people, we're seeing if this can work. And so far, we're here. I mean, we're still here, folks. I'll tell you something else too. I went around to about 20 experts a couple of years ago and asked them if this business model would work every single one of them told me it wouldn't they said you cannot ask people to give you money for something that's free they will not do it now that is exactly what all the big content providers feel and they may be right for themselves but ladies and gentlemen you're helping to show that at least for some people um that model works. I'll give you my stuff for free, and you come back and you throw some coins in my hat if you think it was worth it. So my opinion on all this copyright infringement stuff is that what they're trying to do to address the problem is worse than the problem itself and makes the people who make the stuff that's being infringed upon look like they're borderline evil. 
Now, that's not the part that interested me the most, though. A lot of people said, what's your opinion on this, Dan? Forget that. The part I like is Chris Dodd. Because this, in my opinion, goes to the root of the problems in our governmental system, which to me is always more important than the individual things like copyright infringement. For those of you who don't remember, Christopher Dodd actually ran for the Democratic nomination for president uh, against Barack Obama, right? Always portraying himself as a champion of the people and liberal causes and whatnot. He was a long-time serving senator from Connecticut who promised not to go into lobbying when he left government and, of course, instantly went into lobbying. He's the chief lobbyist for Hollywood and all these you know, copyright interest people. And he said something interesting. Well, actually, he said several interesting things when the whole SOPA thing got pulled back. The first interesting thing he said was that Well, I have to read this story to you because there's so many interesting aspects. Let me just put it this way. The bottom line is that there is a petition at WhiteHouse.gov that more than 10,000 people have already signed saying that Dodd should be investigated for this, for essentially bribery. And what's more is Dodd made it even more obvious when he basically warned the legislators who backed out of this deal that, listen, you were given money for this. We're not going to give you any money again if you don't deliver next time. Let me read you um, a little bit of this piece. Um, Wikipedia is one of the sites that went dark in protest of um, the SOPA legislation. And uh, I don't know about you, but as a guy who makes a living off of listener donations, I feel a little compelled to sometimes, you know, take that money and and, and give it to other places. I, I donate to Wikipedia. Here's the story, and, and this particular one that I like appeared on a smaller website, Newswise. It's called Web Pro News, but it's all over the internet. Let me read you a little of this. It's by Josh Wolford, appeared January 24th, 2012. Quote, Speaking at the DLD conference in Munich this morning, Wikipedia's Jimmy Wales didn't mince words on the subject of former senator and current MPAA. Um, that's basically the Hollywood Motion Picture Association um, that governs all these things. Didn't mince words on the subject of former senator and current MPAA chairman Chris Dodd. He said that Dodd should be fired. Wales and Dodd, the story said, have been arguing at opposite ends of the SOPA PIPA battle. That's the two pieces of legislation. More generally, the argument covers differences in opinion regarding how to deal with the perceived threat of online piracy. In response to SOPA and PIPA, Wales led the charge of protesting by blacking out Wikipedia for 24 hours last Wednesday. SOPA and PIPA, the two pieces of legislation that Dodd and the MPAA support, have been put on the back burner as the House and Senate have delayed action, respectively. Dodd, the story says, has been critical of the shelving of both SOPA and Pippa, even calling the massive internet SOPA blackout led by Wikipedia an abuse of power. Wales addressed this at the DLD conference. This is Wales talking now. Quote, 10 million people contacted Congress, Wales said. That's not an abuse of power. That's democracy. Dodd had best get used to it. End quote. The story continues. According to comments made as part of Sundance's Cinema Cafe series, it looks like Dodd is softening his rhetoric when it comes to the Internet protest that seemed to have had such an impact on congressional action on SOPA. From The Hollywood Reporter, quote, It's a watershed event, what happened, Dodd admitted, noting that opponents, quote, ability to organize and communicate directly with consumers was a game-changing phenomenon that he hadn't seen in more than three decades in public office. Dodd, the story says, 
seemed to have a sense of humor about the recent beating he's taken as a spokesman for the mainstream entertainment industry, the kind of chaos that the former senator had hoped to leave behind when he left office in January 2011. Quote, Up until a week ago, I thought it was a pretty good decision, he joked, but the message Dodd most seemed to want to get across was that, quote, the white noise has made it impossible to have a conversation about this, he said. We've got to find a better way to have that conversation than we have in the last two weeks, end quote. The story continues. In no way is Dodd backing off his support for legislation like SOPA, but at least he's recognized the power of collective Internet protest. As you probably know, the story says, Dodd has been under fire recently for some comments he made on Fox News. Here are the comments he made. Quote, Candidly, those who count on, quote, Hollywood for support need to understand that this industry is watching very carefully who's going to stand up for them when their job is at stake. Don't ask me to write a check for you, meaning for a legislator, when you think your job is at risk and then don't pay any attention to me when my job is at stake. I would caution people, Dodd said, don't make the assumption that because the, quote, Hollywood community has been historically supportive of Democrats, which they have... Don't make the false assumption this year that because we did it in past years, we will do it this year. These issues before us, this is the only issue that goes right to the heart of the industry, end quote. The story finishes off by saying, The gist here is that Congress needs to remember who writes the checks and needs to fall in line with their interests. These comments are obviously teeming with hints of corruption, so much so that an online petition at the White House petition site has been started asking for an investigation of Dodd and the MPAA for bribery. The story says the signatures currently number more than 25,000 and has hit the threshold to warrant a White House response, end quote. Okay, a couple of things here, first of all. One, this is out-and-out corruption, folks, and Dodd is saying it in a way that you don't normally hear, which is either you fall in line with what we're contributing to you or we're not contributing anymore. A long time ago, folks, the court said that the threshold for corruption in this country is quid pro quo. In other words, you need to be able to show that you did something you would not have otherwise done because of the money that was given to you. Generally, in the past, legislators have tried to be really careful about this. It shows you the level of corruption we exist in now, governmentally speaking, that that care is no longer taken. Because no one gets punished. Now couple of things. One, Christopher Dodd is never going to be investigated for bribery. You know why? Because this will open the door up to everything else. You don't think Christopher Dodd has the power to go nuclear in this whole thing and expose all these people? What's more, President Obama, he's not going to come out and do anything either. What's more, if you think this is an online internet protest that got the job done, you're mistaken. One, these people are going to do this behind closed doors or as part of a rider to some other bill. Or, as we said earlier, they kind of went in and shut the mega upload site the very next day as a way of saying, we don't need that bill. We can shut these people down now under current law. If they look into this as bribery, folks, it will split the whole you know, system wide open. You will then expose all kinds of bribery. President Obama may get up there with his new populist stance and make a couple of, of words about how we need to find some middle ground between, you know, creative people and, and their rights to own things and, and Internet freedom and then go ahead and do whatever they want to do. I love the fact that Dodd identifies as part of the problem the ability of people like Wikipedia and the other sites that went dark to go directly to the consumers. In other words, Dodd can't stand that all of a sudden 
the Internet is allowing a level of democracy that's making his job as a lobbyist much more difficult. Now, lest you think, and I've had this conversation with many of you, lest you think, folks, that this is some groundswell revolution that the average Joes and Janes online were able to, um, you know, to make themselves, it's not. Now, obviously, millions of people were roped into this whole thing and, and, and told to call their congressmen and senators, and it made a difference. But it wouldn't have made a difference had it not been one giant segment of industry facing off against another. And we've told you before that, folks, when it's us begging for one of our constitutional rights, it means nothing. But sometimes you will get a battle over things like that that pit one great industry against another, and then you stand a chance. In other words, normally this would be Hollywood and the music industry and everything just steamrolling any opposition. If you or I or a bunch of regular citizens tried to do this, forget it. It doesn't work. But, folks, this is Hollywood against Silicon Valley. There are powerful interests who also donate a lot of money on the other side, too. That's when, you know, the corruption in the system can occasionally work to our advantage if the side we would like to win is playing a role in the corruption, too. There's many legislators who are getting money from the other side. And then one side was able to go directly to the consumer and enlist their help, too. And that's what Dodd was talking about. Dang, it wasn't just money versus money. It was money on one side and money plus consumers on the other. And that tipped the scale. I told you what's going to happen, folks. One, they're just going to pass whatever they need without as much fanfare. Two, they already can do whatever they want, as proven time and again. But Christopher Dodd should be investigated for bribery, and it's not going to happen because it would open Pandora's box as far as our legislators are concerned. But what the heck, go sign the online petition anyway. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. Top story this week, Wikipedia goes on strike. What do we want? Uh, let me just check. Let me just look that up. <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot Wikipedia's gone down. Uh, I, I think it has something to do with the internet. When do we want it? I don't know. Let me, uh, let me just check. <laughs> oh, for f- sake. I think it was soon, but I'm not sure. Shit! Andy, <laughs> Wednesday must have been a very difficult day for you because Wikipedia <laughs> went on strike and blacked out the entire site. What did you do, Andy? Had you prepared? Had you printed out some pages of completely useless information to use like methadone to ease yourself through the withdrawal symptoms? Or did you just strap yourself into a chair and then stare into a fire and hope that you could somehow make out trivial facts in the patterns of the flames? <laughs> What's that one? Oh, I think the flames say that Chris Akabusi had four middle names. That's interesting. <laughs> What's that one? 
Oh, I think those flames say that almonds are actually a member of the peach family. <laughs> That's interesting too. What's this one? Oh, Deborah Winger was the voice of E.T. That's it. Oh, who am I kidding? I've got to get back online now! <laughs> well, John, I'm not going to deny it was, uh, was a dark day. It was a, it was a difficult day. Um, it was a day when the search for truth and the search for falsehood alike both seemed destined to end in mutually assured destruction. But... Uh, I got through it, and to, to help myself get through it, I launched briefly on the Bugle Twitter feed, Wifepedia, <laughs> in which what? I asked Bugle's Twitter followers on the at Hello Bugler's feed for questions for my wife to answer. Now, my wife at the <laughs> moment was trying to do some work, and so Wikipedia very nearly destroyed my marriage. <laughs> it might have seen a well, seemed a well, well-meaning strike to you, Jimmy Wales, but it brought havoc to the Zaltzman household. So what happened was Wikipedia and a host of other sites, including Reddit, uh, Mozilla websites, Boing Boing, and I quote, the entire cheeseburger network, which, <laughs> which I believe is mainly pictures of cats, uh, went dark, and that's, that's not a joke, that's actually a fact, uh, went dark on Wednesday to protest against proposed legislation in the US called SOPA, or the Stop Online Piracy Act, as well as its counterpart, uh, the Protect IP Act, or PIPA for short. Oh... <laughs> Pippa, what, what have you done, Pippa? Or to be more accurate, what are you proposing, Pippa? <laughs> naughty Pippa. Naughty, naughty Pippa. SOPA is a complicated and deeply flawed bill in the long tradition of so many bills in DC, which in essence is designed to stop online piracy, so stopping movie studios and music, la- music labels losing money by sites illegally streaming pirated copies. But the problem is that that's very difficult to do, and these bills are definitely not the way to try. It's like trying to stop actual piracy by saying that no-one is allowed to look at parrots anymore (laughs) and arresting any online company that thinks about selling eye patches. It's not going to solve the problem, and it's going to be expensive and impossible to enforce. (laughs) It means that, basically, in a downloadable podcast like this, were I to sing unlicensed music, which I think we can agree and have already seen, <laughs> I can occasionally do. Like, for instance, if I were to burst into an impromptu blast of Bon Jovi, shot to the heart, <laughs> and you're to blame, you give love. What, Andy? <laughs> what does Bon Jovi give love? A bad name. A bad name. I was also accused of giving my son a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> well, now... Now, were, were that to happen, which obviously it didn't, then my mouth would have committed a crime and your ears would have committed a crime by hearing it, and not just musically, but legally too. Does that mean that, that your mouth and Bugler's ears could have been put on trial? Well, I, th- I think so. It's not entirely clear, but I think so. In the broadest possible strokes, if the legislation passes, sites would be unable to link to any website suspected of copyright infringement, including sites like Wikipedia, Facebook and Twitter. The problem is that it's one of those situations that is both incredibly important and incredibly boring. And <laughs> that can be tricky for people to get appropriately worked up about. <laughs> well, proponents say that uh, it protects copyrights and thus the incomes of those who produce copyrighted material. And uh, as an added benefit, John... I mean, if it is passed, it could uh, prevent films, for example, being uh, illegally streamed around the world. It could, you know, it could actually save the world uh-huh. from this some going? of the worst excesses of the American movie industry. I don't suppose you have any examples of that, do you, Andy? Well, well I don't know. I'll just, I would just refer buglers to your, to your CV. <laughs> 
Ironically, you could look on John's Wikipedia page to see what this bill could could save the world from. <laughs> Supporters say that the, the target is actually illegal foreign sites, but the concept of what is foreign in an internet that doesn't actually physically exist is complicated. The internet instead seems to live in the air, or to quote the late Senator Ted Stevens, in a series of tubes. Uh, and the consequences of the legislation would seriously harm a free and open internet, as well as ushering in quite frightening new tools of censorship for international websites inside the US. Now, opponents of the bill here in America say that the internet was built on the same principles as freedom that America was, and it should be afforded the same rights, only presumably this time including black people as well. <laughs> they, they weren't clear about that last part. <laughs> Uh, a Harvard professor said that SOPA would, quote, undermine the openness and free exchange of information at the heart of the Internet, and it would violate the First Amendment, to which SOPA's supporters replied, ooh. <laughs> and um, the critics of the uh, of the bills have suggested that it could pretty much cripple the entire Internet. And we have to... You know, the Internet is flawed, clearly, but it has proved both popular and useful, very much like... Horses used to be, but but more so. And this, <laughs> the internet has only helped popularise things like uh, social networking, um, anti-social networking. Because um, the internet has given more people more opportunities to tell each other that their mothers are horse than any other development <laughs> since the invention of human speech. It or has, since Caxton and the printing press. Yeah, and I know right. that's what he largely used it <laughs> for early on. Yeah. It's popularised popularised the sharing of knowledge and information and expertise across previously insurmountable geographical and political barriers. It's also popularised the sharing of mindless drivel and breasts and penises and <laughs> videos of cats unicycling into ponds. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a great advance, and we have to protect it, John. We have to protect the internet. Otherwise, we might have to confront real life. And having not happen. really confronted that for a good decade now, I just don't think humanity no. can risk it. That's too dangerous. Yep. Now, during the blackout, Wikipedia was still technically accessible on mobile phones uh, and uh, smartphones, and, and they then made it clear, Wikipedia, that their purpose wasn't to make it impossible to read Wikipedia, saying, it's OK for you to circumvent the blackout, we just want to make sure that you see our message. And that's a pretty polite way to go about protesting, isn't it? Not screaming scab at people, <laughs> merely saying, I completely understand your scab-like behaviour, and I hope that you in turn can see the point that I'm trying to make here. <laughs> but, but with the 24-hour blackouts and then later the attacks on websites by Anonymous after the mega-upload site was shut down by the feds, um, are non-physical protests, Andy, going to be a new wave of the future? Nerds, or to call them by another name, clever potential millionaires, sitting at home... <laughs> wreaking havoc and withholding services without once having to get tear-gassed by police. I mean, unless Microsoft, somehow that is, find a way of having a tear-gas hole in the corner of your computer screen that can fire off a blast if it senses you're up to no good. Well, they seem to have struggled to make the menus on uh, Microsoft Word work efficiently, so I think that might be beyond their technological expertise. Currently. Take that, Microsoft. Zing. What was Take wrong? That. What was wrong with how it was before?
This week saw a great victory in Internet organizing with the withdrawal of the Stop Online Privacy Act. You don't have the Democrats to thank for that. They were stubbornly defending this encroachment on free speech, maybe because their old buddy Christopher Dodd is now head of the Motion Picture Association of America, one of the chief lobbyists for the bill. No, the reason this bill died in its tracks is because groups like Wikipedia and Free Press organized the day-long web blackout and urged people to contact their legislators. This brought the needed pressure to bear, and the lawmakers bowed to it. What this tells us is there are many ways for citizens to flex our muscles these days. We can do it the old-fashioned way, in the streets. This kind of organizing succeeded in derailing the Keystone XL pipeline, and props to Barack Obama for coming around on it. And this kind of organizing also succeeded in Wisconsin with the tremendous recall effort against Scott Walker. But the Internet also offers opportunities we're just beginning to grasp. Connected citizens can now organize instantaneously and publicly to block the shadowy work of corporate lobbyists. And that holds out real promise. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as 5 dollars a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. You may have heard of a senator named Roy Blunt. Have you heard of Roy Blunt? He represents uh, the great state of Missouri. He was in the House for a long time, and now he's a senator. Roy Blunt is a Republican. This is Senator Blunt's Twitter page. He's at Roy Blunt. That's his name on Twitter. And uh, this is his Twitter page as of a couple of days ago. For a background, he has a picture of a lovely pastoral scene, what looks like a Missouri country road. Vice Magazine tracked down the photographer of this picture that Senator Blunt had on his Twitter page. Vice tracked down the photographer by way of finding his wife, who happens to be the person who appears on the horse in the picture. The lady on the horse told Vice that she and her husband were very surprised to learn that Senator Blunt was using their picture on his Twitter page, since her photographer husband had not given Senator Blunt permission to use that picture. Senator Blunt, until today, was a sponsor of a very, very controversial piece of legislation that you might have heard something about today. It's anti-online piracy legislation that critics say would lead to censorship of the Internet, undermining the whole concept of freedom of movement online. The whole justification for this very controversial bill, sponsored by Senator Blunt, is to crack down on the theft of other people's content online. Theft like the kind Senator Blunt engaged in himself very publicly on his own Twitter page. And it's not just Senator Blunt. Uh, Vice magazine also screen-grabbed the Twitter page for Senator Claire McCaskill, Democrat of Missouri, who sponsored a forerunner of this legislation, legislation to stop online piracy. 
online piracy like the kind she apparently committed in taking this poor guy's picture off of Flickr without his permission. And it's not just Senator Blunt and Senator McCaskill. There's also Congressman Dennis Ross of Florida, a sponsor of the House version of this bill to, again, stop Internet piracy. This congressman put this cartoon picture of a fat piggy government on his House.gov website. Unless you deliberately crop it out, congressman, that image comes with a big old obvious copyright mark on it. A copyright mark belonging to a cartoonist who tells Vice magazine that he never gave this congressman permission to use his pig. Elected officials previously supporting or signed on to sponsor anti-online piracy legislation nevertheless proudly displaying on their most visible web homes content that was either outright stolen or for which they at least should have provided attribution, which they did not. One way to look at this is hypocrisy. You must not steal, says the thief. Good old-fashioned doing one thing and saying another. I think, though, the more realistic way of seeing this is not hypocrisy exactly, but more ignorance. Congress does not understand the internet. Congress famously does not understand the internet. Can we bring back Ted Stevens for just a moment? Ted Stevens was a senator from Alaska. He served in Congress for longer than most of us hope to be alive. But nothing in the late great Senator Stevens' long, long legacy is more quotable than this. His explanation of how the internet works. You order your, your movie, and guess what? You can order ten of them, and, and, and the delivery and the delivery charge is free, right? Ten movies streaming across that that inter- internet, and what happens to y- your own personal internet? I I just the other day got inter- internet was sent by my staff at ten o'clock in the morning on Friday. I got it yesterday. Why? Because it got tangled up with all of these things that are going on the internet commercially. They want to deliver vast amounts of information over the internet. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. Rest in peace, Alaska Senator Ted Stevens. The series of tubes. Today, the online protest against Congress's would-be anti-piracy bills uh, got the lion's share of attention, as well they should. Uh, but it should be noted that there was also physical, in-person protest of this legislation today. Real people showing up in the flesh on 3rd Avenue in Manhattan, in this case to tell New York senators what they think about Congress and Internet freedom and what Congress should do about that. New York senators, Charles Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand, are both Democrats and both are sponsors of the Senate's version of this legislation. Our producer, Andrew Dallas, was out at the protest and took these protest photos today out on the streets in New York. This one, uh, I love this one. It's no longer okay to not know how the internet works. Stop PIPA. It's not just true for uh, Ted Stevens in Congress. It's, it's true for Congress more broadly. They have shown themselves to not understand how the Internet works. And you can tell that from all of their previous attempts to lasso the Internet like it was some kind of balky, wayward calf. But if we have had no reason to believe that Congress understands the workings of the Internet, after today, we can be sure that Congress at least understands the power of the Internet. Google, Wikipedia, Boing Boing, Flickr, WordPress, Reddit, Wired, Craigslist, and many, many, many more either blocked their websites entirely today or used their websites to make a big K 
can't-miss-it visual statement of their discontent with this legislation. More than just going dark, many sites included operator instructions for how you, too, could reach out to your members of Congress and tell them to stop these proposed laws. As just one example, the Progressive Change Campaign Committee says via Craigslist visitors alone, more than 30,000 people today called Congress through the PCCC website that linked them with a way to do that. We cover all kinds of protests on this show, all kinds of nonviolent direct action, all kinds of ways that people try to get Congress to do something if they are not a member of Congress. Occupy Congress yesterday converged on Capitol Hill for rallies and meetings with lawmakers. Occupy D.C. has been sleeping outside in the capital city for months now. The Tea Party marching on Washington, including that one big, really big march that they had back in their heyday, the 9-12 one. People storming legislative hearings. People screaming from the galleries until they're hauled outside and arrested. People do a million different things to try to get Congress to move. But I have never seen Congress move so far, so fast on just one day of protest as the way they did today. When Google put up that censored bar, that redacted bar over their logo, and Wikipedia turned off the lights. In the last 24 hours, Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, who'd been a sponsor of the bill, now says he no longer supports it. Senator John Cornyn of Texas, who has also supported the bill, now says he wants Congress to slow down on this. The aforementioned Roy Blunt, with the pirated picture for his Twitter background, he's gone from being a sponsor of the bill to saying he will vote against it. Republican Senator Scott Brown of Massachusetts has come out overtly against it. Senator Jim DeMint, the Tea Party silverback from South Carolina, today announced that he too opposes the bill. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey sponsored this. Today he said he is open to changes in it. Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland sponsored the bill until today when he changed his mind. Same for Congressman Tim Holden of Pennsylvania. Now rejecting legislation, he himself signed on to co-sponsor. Also in the House, Congressman Ben Quayle and Congressman Lee Terry took back their previous support of the bill. So did Dennis Ross, who was a sponsor of the House version before he decided that he now rejects it. How's that for an about face? All of these members of Congress surrendering today in the face of an angry system of tubes. It's not just a big truck. If you are somebody who has benefited from getting something done in Washington, D.C., because of the way things usually get done in Washington, D.C. If you're kind of a fat cat and the system as it is works for you, today probably shook you a little bit. Look at who was on the other side of this. Look at who was on the side that wants this anti-piracy legislation. Look at these interests. Big money, big muscle, big power of estimable vintage. The largest share of lobbying money, the big blue slice of this pie, has come from cable and satellite TV interests. Hi, boss followed by Hollywood, followed by the music industry, followed by commercial TV. These are big-time players who have funded this zillion-dollar effort to get this legislation passed. That kind of money and power behind something like this is part of why so many people in Congress signed on for these bills, even though we're now supposed to believe that before now they never really understood what was in them, but now that they've taken a closer look, they're very disturbed. Big money, big power, and very special interests in favor of something has been the way that stuff gets done in Washington forever. But sometimes, something bigger comes along. The source of the tech industry's bigness on this uh, is twofold. First, they are now really fundamental to our lives. Wikipedia has become the nation's first stop for everything. And Google, for better or worse, is where we start even before we make that first stop. The visual suggestion with that redaction bar over the Google logo today, the visual suggestion of Google plunged into a darkness, plunged into darkness by a Congress that does not understand the Internet, that is a powerful image. That is a powerful thing, given how powerfully the Internet shapes our lives. Even members of Congress understand that. 
But the other reason the Internet world was able to today pull off the biggest and most successful power play that anyone has seen in Washington in a long, long time is because they don't just wield the power of a few companies speaking as companies. What happened with this mass cave-in in Washington today wasn't because of the stated opinions of a few websites. It's because those websites provided you, provided every American who cares about this, or who didn't think they cared about this, but were convinced of that today, they provided every American who cares about this or could be persuaded to care about this with a very, very easy means of ex effectively expressing yourself on this political issue to Congress. And it turns out there are zillions of you. Hi, Jay. This is Elka from Indiana. A couple of things really quick. I just want to thank you for playing the uh, clip from Blacking It Up. Um, Tim Wise, great, great choice. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, as far as your questions and, and your you know struggle around the issue of white privilege and the comments that Daryl had made, um, as a woman and as an African-American, you know, I just, I really struggle with that because it's not, I, I don't feel that it's my personal responsibility, responsibility, excuse me, to enlighten you or any other white person about this issue. That's your hard work to do. But I, I do want to say, continue to listen to voices like Tim Wise, a white man who has done a lot of work around white privilege and uh, race consciousness. Continue to, to listen to his words. Visit his website, you know, watch his DVDs. You'll learn quite a bit. Thanks, Jay. Keep up the good work. Bye. Hi, Jay. This is Allison from Erie, Colorado. I wanted to weigh in on the issue of privilege. Although I'm white, like one of your previous callers, Casey, I also know a little something about privilege. I was born with a disability that affects me both physically and cognitively. At some points in history, in, both in America and in other countries, people argued that, and well, and sometimes carried out euthanasia of those people like me. In my own life, I have also, and well, throughout my childhood, I have been told that I'm worthless and stupid and that I will never contribute anything useful to society. However, having said this, Specifically on the issue of vegetarians, when people like the leader of PETA, Ingrid Newkirk, say things like, at least the Nazis didn't eat the subjects of their derision, or objects of their derision, as she actually said. Or perhaps, you know, you could look at another PETA campaign, Are Animals the New Slaves? For many people, these seem like cheap shots taken at the expense of people who've experienced these things historically. And while not all vegetarians share these views that PETA espoused, groups like PETA sometimes can be seen as representing vegetarians. And those are just my two cents. I know those are extremist views that PETA espoused, but they unfortunately are seriously turnoffs for people who've experienced these things. I hope all that made sense, and thanks for the show. Um, and also thanks for 
playing Blacking It Up. I thought that was really cool. All right, bye. Hi, Jay. Christopher here from Texas and a BuddhistTraveler.com. In regards to earlier stories and comments regarding slavery and how slaves were, were treated, I think you all missed a crucial point. Specifically, I am referring to the comment and commentary that valuing farm animals more than slaves was just so unbelievable. How could someone do that to another human being? But that's the point. That's how ostensibly good and kind people can own slaves or gas their neighbors. The dehumanization of a class or group of people must first occur. I want to share with you a quote from the book The Temple of Music by Jonathan Lowey. L-O-W-Y. I'm sure I pronounced it incorrectly. And it's a very good book, I might add. The book is set in the late 1800s to early 1900s. The scene from whence I am reading is at a party where a discussion is ongoing about how little advancement has occurred amongst the former slaves since slavery ended. As I was saying, the professor raises his voice a notch now and turns toward the colored man. I have studied them and I have found the following. The Negro children may be sharp, intelligent, full of vivacity, but on approaching the adult period, a gradual change sets in. The intellect becomes clouded. Animation gives place to a lethargy. Briskness becomes indolence. The reason I have deduced is that the growth of the Negro brain must be arrested by the premature closing of the cranial sutures and the frontal bone. There is no doubt the arrest or deterioration in mental development is largely responsible for the fact that after puberty, sexual matters take the first place in the Negro's life and thoughts. You will not be surprised to find in the Negro a lowered morality, as evidenced by the higher rates one finds in our prisons contrast with the white whose brain pan expands allowing for proper development end quote the point of this is that the preceding quote is in of itself a quote the assertions made by the professor are word for word from the famed 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica published in 1911 that was science. That was the truth of the day. And that's the only way slavery can happen. Love the show, Jay. Keep it up. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So I just want to finish up this conversation on race and white privilege and veganism and how they all wrap together, but I do have sort of a major update to this story slash discussion that's been going on, and it's that I've had sort of an in-depth discussion with a vegan on this topic and I think that her reactions to it will uh, potentially surprise you in one or more ways. 
And so Erin Red is, is sort, you know, very hardcore vegan. She's really dedicated her life to promoting the lifestyle. She has a vegan podcast called Red Radio that if you're interested, you should obviously check out. Uh, she works at a vegan restaurant and, and, you know, a lot of her time is spent advocating for veganism. And I first heard of her on Citizen Radio when she was a guest. She was brought on specifically to answer tough veganism questions because she had heard it all. She'd heard every argument in the book, and, and, and she was ready for anything, could make the vegan argument for any given situation. And so I, uh, I wanted to get her on the phone and, and ask her response, you know, not, not so much to, for her to respond to you know, this discussion. I just want, you know, I thought, well, if you've heard it all, clearly this has come up for you before. I'm sure people have let you know the relationship between veganism and white privilege. And so I wonder what your reaction to it is when, when you get that question. So I got her on the phone and, and I gave her the backstory for why I was asking in this whole discussion. And I just said, so, you know, so what's, what's your normal reaction to that question? And she said, well, you know, sure, it's come up, but not really in so much detail. So I don't know that I really have a, a, an actual response to it because I, it's never been pressed that hard. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. So then we, the conversation just continued and I filled her in on a lot of the stories and perspectives and, and nuances that had been brought up from listeners during this discussion. And by the end, her, her reaction was really interesting and, and excellent, really. The first surprising thing was that I, I stumped her. She was hearing a perspective about veganism that she had never heard before, which I genuinely did not expect to do. I really thought that she would just have all she would have already heard all of this, but no, she hadn't. And so, so first of all, she was stumped, which was just kind of it, it was excellent to to show that this discussion really isn't being had. So it made me feel good about the fact that we've been having it. And then secondly, her her reaction, which I mean, it wasn't surprising to me, but it may surprise some of you, was that she was ecstatic about hearing this. She was so excited to hear this new perspective on her own belief system that she was basically eager to go back and think about it. She's like, you've really given me something to think about tonight, and, and I love it. I love that I have this new perspective. I'm going to mull it over. I'm going to discuss it. It's going to be a topic on the show probably, you know, for, uh, for her own veganism show. And, but I mean, she's just like over the moon about how excited she was to have been challenged in, in this way. Not so much that her ideology was being challenged, but that the way you talk about it and the sensitivities related to it were challenged. And so, yeah, she was really excited about it. And, you know, I thought of this analogy that I probably didn't make up myself, but it came to mind today is the idea, you know, if, if your, if your ideas are like your sword, then you have to occasionally sharpen your sword on the stone of opposing ideas. And, you know, it doesn't mean that when you go up against other people's ideas, it will only always harden you in your own ideology because sometimes your own ideas have, you know, nicks and cracks and they need to be smoothed out. And, you know, that's that's what the, all of this is about. And, and I think that this discussion has been nothing but incredibly healthy for everyone who's either been involved or, or just heard it, that uh, it's, it's always an excellent thing to be opened up to new perspectives that you just simply would not have heard of before or thought of before because it's not within your own realm of consciousness. So 
unless some other amazing revelations come up, that's basically going to be all I have to say on this topic. And um, in, in, in the next episode or, or a coming episode, I want to dive into a discussion about uh, the LGBT community, which came up recently in, in my personal life. And I had sort of a stunning revelation about that. So I'm going to do my best to talk about some of the, the nuances of that not being a part of the community myself, just an ally. And uh, I will do my best to not you know, completely alienate everyone in the process, but that'll be interesting, I hope. So before I go, I just want to thank a couple of members, uh, as I always do, of course. So Candace K, uh, and a couple of real old school members, Candace K signed up for a leftist yearly membership back on December 23rd, 2010, and has stuck with the show since then. Her membership renewed last December, and, and she was sticking with it. And Robert H signed up even a few days before on December 4th, as a leftist monthly membership and has stuck with the show every month, month after month for more than a year. Uh, so huge thanks to Robert and Candace and all the members and donors who make the show possible. I couldn't do it without you guys. Everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it. Of course, you can help spread the word of individual clips you particularly enjoy through your social networks. You can do that through the show notes on the website. You can stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com.